Good morning. Good morning. During service, I started having faces and names come up, and I was thinking of all my mentors. Actually, the faces and names of all my mentors were showing up. I wasn't thinking of them, but they were showing up. Um, I'm thinking of Paul Haller, Roshi, the former abbot of the San Francisco Zen Center, Blanche Hartman, my Dharma grandmother, Jordan Thorne, who was a tanto and treasurer at City Center, Leslie James, who runs Tassahara, even though I don't know if she would say that. Uh, she's been there for so long that her job title uh, is informally the Leslie. Uh, she is really the all-knowing one. And uh, Galen Godwin is Houston Sensen, Kosho McCall, my teacher. All these teachers, with all these names, coming up with hundreds of years of experience and practice. Um, we have an expression during the Shuso ceremony, the head student ceremony, where we say, even though uh, I'm just a mosquito biting an iron ox or an iron bull, I'm going to do my best. So there's a part of me that's when I'm standing there thinking, who am I to be standing there with all of these Hugely experienced teacher, decades and decades and decades of experience. So even though I'm just a mosquito biting an iron bull, I'm going to do my best. A lot of times when people ask me a question, really my, my gut instinct is to say, well, I've only been doing this 20 years, <laughs> why are you asking me? You should really ask somebody who's, who knows more. Uh, and with that said, I also want to thank all my peers. Uh, I don't have so many in practice anymore because not everybody sticks around. Uh, but they're just as our dharma, our, our good dharma friends are just as important to us as the teachers in our life. You know, when the Buddha was dying, there was some tension about who was going to take over. He said, "You know, check it out with each other." That's what, our, that's what our, dharma, our good dharma friends, our dharma peers do for us, is they uh, support us. And more importantly, if they're a true friend, they tell us the stuff that we don't want to hear. That's a true friend. Somebody who will tell you what you don't want to hear. So this is case four in the uh, Book of Serenity. It says, the world-honored one was walking with, his with the congregation. He pointed to the ground with his finger and said, this spot is good to build a sanctuary. Indra, emperor of the gods, took a blade of grass, stuck it in the ground, and said, this sanctuary is built. And the world-honored one, the Buddha, smiled. This spot is a good place for a sanctuary. So I heard yesterday that uh, France broke 
its all-time high record of 114 degrees. And uh, I was at Tassajara when this happened, but apparently I was rather shocked to find this out in 2003. 15,000 people died in a heat wave in France. I was out of the loop, so I wasn't aware of this, but that seems like a rather appalling number. And uh, global temperatures are up one degree Celsius since industrialization. And apparently, a lot of the, some glaciers are thickening, other glaciers are in full retreat. Uh, and the carbon dioxide levels are highest than they've ever been. So it's, in, it's interesting that the Buddha points at the ground and says, This is a good place to build a sanctuary, yet we do not treat the earth as a sanctuary. The very thing that we come from and who support, that supports our existence, uh, we don't treat it very well. And yet, somehow, we're, in spite of that, we're completely dependent upon it. It seems, seems kind of strange, doesn't it, that we're abusing this uh, form that we are completely dependent on to stay alive. The environmentalists say uh, there's no planet B, which is a nice play on words. And that might be a good thing. That might be a good thing that there's no planet B, that there's no other place for us to go to. Otherwise, we have no motivation to work things out, if there were. And yet, we cannot stop life. Uh, after the fire at Tassajara, 11-ish years ago, 11 years ago, within, uh, so all the, the hillsides were completely scorched. And within three weeks, there were new shoots coming up from the base of the madrone trees. So just in three weeks, in spite of this blistering fire, uh, there were shoots about this long coming up from the base of all the madrone. So it was already starting to re-green at that time. And there's another story that it may be apocryphal, but I, I have always deeply appreciated it, and that is at the uh, Hiroshima Peace Memorial. So, um, for those of you who don't know, they, there was, a, I think it was about a block that was saved and kept as is after the bombing in 1945 in Hiroshima. And there's, a, there's it's called the Atomic Dome. If you Google Atomic Dome, you'll see this structure there. And it, and I believe it was an iconic photo right after the uh, right after the bombing. But they kept this area just as everything was completely blasted. The rest of the city was rebuilt, except for this one area. All the all the trees were wiped out, or all dead. everything was dead in this area, and stayed that way for a long time. And there was one tree uh, there. It must have been the only one that was left. And my memory is that it was a plum tree. 
had was killed by the by the blast. And it was it was in this perimeter, so they left it alone. And years and years and decades go by until one day the tree bloomed. So instead of nowhere, this this tree that everyone knew that was dead. In spite of everything, in spite of the vast indignities that have been done to it, came back to life. So even though we do our best at times to try to decimate everything, it's an, it's an impossibility. Because everything is so deeply connected. There's, there's no separation. If you look at pictures of the Peace Memorial now, it's green and lush, and there's a decaying building in the middle of it. Uh, if it were able to be kept in strict, strict isolation, then everything would still be dead. But that's not the way things work, because we are so deeply connected. And in the introduction to the case, it says, as soon as a single mote of dust arises, the whole earth is contained therein. So, a little fleck of dust. Everything is there. Everything is there. So in, in uh, the first case of the Book of Serenity, when Bodhidharma meets Emperor Wu, Emperor Wu is he was a great benefactor to the Dharma. But lots of lots of temples supported lots of uh, teachers. And when Bodhidharma came, he says, "I've done all this great stuff. You know what merit is there for me?" He says, and Bodhidharma says, "Sorry, no dice, no merit for you." Uh, and he says, "What's the?" What's the secret of the Buddha's highest teachings? And the Buddha, the Buddha Bodhidharma says, um, nothing holy, no thing holy. So, in which what he's really saying is that no one thing is holy, but everything is holy. No one thing is holy by itself. No one thing is separate by itself. No one thing is special by itself. Even though we are a unique expression of who we are, and none of us are special. So if no one thing is holy, and everything is holy, then everyone is holy. So if we can see everything is holy, this is where we find the sanctuary. This is where we come and we sit together, where we drive a car, we cheat on the altar, sweep out front, 
all that's holy. And yet completely unexceptional at the same time. There's nothing special about doing it. It's just changing the altar. And yet it's a completely holy act. Anything that we give our attention to is both nothing special and completely holy. This happens if we open our eyes and see and experience everything in this way. More specifically, the connection with everything. Dogen says that he has a festival called Moon in the Duja. But he says that the, the moon is reflected even in a puddle an inch wide. So whether it's a huge ocean or whether it's the dew on the grass, the, the moon is reflected perfectly. So in a way, it's like Indra's net. So Indra is the god of the emperor. She's the one that sticks the blade of grass in the ground. This is a sanctuary is built. And in Indra's net, there's a net filled with jewels at every intersection. And every jewel reflects every other jewel. And this is an image that we often use to, to express the interdependence of all life and all, of all beings. in a very uncomfortable situation. Temperatures are rising. Our sanctuary is beginning to revolt a little bit against this. Just a few miles away, people are being denied sanctuary. Uh, being kept in some pretty appalling conditions through the delusion of separation of I belong here and you don't. I don't think that's a spirit in which we which we understood our, ourselves uh, to be a part of for a long time. Anytime, anytime we create the self and other, the sense of sanctuary is deeply harmed. Deeply harmed. And yet everywhere it can be sanctuary. If we bring our presence, our attention to it, refugee can be sanctuary for that refugee. This is a safe space for a while. 
and create that. Because everyone and everything is worthy of our best effort. I'm not phoning it in. And of actually being present for it. There was someone I knew a long time ago who used to work, I believe it was an ICU unit. Anytime there was a code, she would get into a bit of a kerfuffle. And finally, one of the nurses took her aside and said, It's not your blood. So when she realized that, she was able to be a better use. She was able to be a help. And she, when she realized that the patient's crisis wasn't her crisis, she could actually uh, be of a clear mind to help out and assist the nurses. So in this, in this koan, when the Buddha said, this is a good spot for a sanctuary. Um, to say that is extra. Because if everything is already a sanctuary, then we don't really need to say anything about it. So Indra is just kind of raising the flag when he sticks the, the blade of grass in the ground. So if there's one blade of grass, there's other blades of grass. So there are all these sanctuaries from which he picks one and puts it in the ground. Earlier this week, uh, I 
went to see uh, hear Robert Ostaseski speak uh, at the Marriott downtown. And he's one of the co-founders of the Zen Hospice down the street from City Center in San Francisco. And he's a, he's a Buddhist teacher as well, too. And he's really talking about the Dharma, really about using none of our language, but completely talking about all of our ideas and, and how we approach things. And he said that it's kind of odd that when someone passes, people say, rest in peace. He said, well, why do we have to die? <laughs> you know, why, why can't we do that now? Why can't we rest in peace now? Mizumi Roshi, apparently one of his favorite sayings was, you know, to appreciate our lives. So, yeah, you know, we can't forget this. We can't forget it. It's very easy to focus on not having sanctuary, in a way. Not feeling safe, or things aren't how we want. It's actually pretty cold, no? I woke up. Suzuki Roshi once went up to a student. The student was walking down the hallway. They were passing each other. And Suzuki Roshi stopped the student and said, not just to be alive is enough. And then he kept going. And um, I think it was Mel. It seems like I remember him telling the story. And Mel just said, he just kind of stood there for a few, for a few minutes before he was able to, uh, to go on. And we can't, we can't forget that. Uh, to be alive is enough. So in that sense, it's imperative that we don't wait. We don't wait to appreciate our lives. We don't wait to appreciate what sanctuary we have, or to help others who don't have sanctuary, with no idea of creating sanctuary. Just being present, just being available, just being with someone. introduction also says, who is this person who can be master in any place and meet the source in everything? Who is this person who can be present anywhere and meet the source in everything? It's almost like that line right there is pointing to the case itself. This is this is the sanctuary. Being right where we are, when we are, with who we're with. Without the need to take a blade of grass and stick it in the ground. Just just be there. Just be there. Just be there. 
So it's the world honored one who's walking with the congregation. He pointed to the ground with his finger and said, this spot is good to build a sanctuary. Indra, emperor of the gods, took a blade of grass, stuck it in the ground and said, this sanctuary is built. And the world honored one smiled. Thoughts or questions? 